During the 16th century, an inbred Scottish family that lived in a cave by the sea is said to have murdered over 1,000 individuals and survived on the flesh of their victims. Join me as we uncover the legend of the Sawney Bean clan that terrorized Scotland for 25 years. Many adults and children have heard of the Boogeyman. He can go by many different names in different parts of the world, but the concept behind the Boogeyman is nearly identical across all cultures. Parents use him as a scare tactic to keep disobedient children in line. Some also use the Boogeyman to tell a story or to frighten small children. He can be anything scary or whatever fears are made of. No one is completely sure on what the boogeyman looks like or even how the legend of the boogeyman came to be known. But one thing is for certain. Many people in Scotland believe the legend of the boogeyman started in their country in the late 15th to 16th century with a family that was known as the Sawney Bean Clan. This is how the legend goes. Alexander Bean was born in East Lothian, Scotland in the late 15th century during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. This era would come to be known as the Elizabethan era or the Golden Age because of the peace and prosperity that the country had experienced. However, with the growth of the population, also came the growth of poverty, and with it, extreme hunger for many. Towards the end of Elizabeth I's reign, the government became increasingly concerned about the growing poor population and the poverty levels. They feared that their strength in numbers could overthrow their government and halt and disrupt their way of life. Therefore, the government targeted the impoverished and especially the individuals who were able to work but preferred to beg and steal instead. These individuals were known as vagabonds and the punishment for being a vagabond was extremely harsh. If caught begging, the individual could receive a brand on their tongue and placed into slavery for two years or be flogged until bloody. In some cases, the punishment was death. Alexander Bean was no stranger to being poor. Growing up, his parents were ditch diggers and hedge trimmers, which is exactly what they sound to be. As he grew up watching his parents digging ditches and hedging bushes, he knew that was not the work or lifestyle he wanted. When Alexander got older, he left his home in East Lothian and moved with a woman by the name of Agnes Douglas, who would later be known as Black Agnes. They both moved from East Lothian to a cave on the Benain Head at the northern end of Ballantrae Bay, 17 kilometers southwest of Girvan, Scotland. When Alexander and Agnes arrived, they found a cave near the sea that piqued their interest. 
as they explored the cave, they noticed that at high tide, the cave was inaccessible due to the height of the water and was impenetrable by the hard sharp rocks that fortified a natural barrier at the cave's entrance. Alexander and Agnes both agreed to settle in the cave and make it their home. After becoming settled in the cave, the couple supported themselves by robbing individuals and taking what they needed to survive. At that time, however, food was scarce and hunger was more abundant than ever. Alexander, still not wanting to work or take an honest job to pay for the food he and Agnes needed, resorted to other ways of satisfying his and Agnes's hunger rather than just rob their victims of their belongings. They decided to eat them as well. It is said that when Alexander and Agnes initially became cannibals and ate their victims, it was out of necessity to satisfy their hunger. However, as the years went on, it became abundantly apparent that the need to kill and eat their victims was more for pleasure instead of hunger. Their need to terrorize their fellow Scotsmen did not stop there. In the following years, Alexander and Agnes had a family of their own to help perpetuate their terror even further. It is said that Alexander and Agnes had eight sons, six daughters, 18 grandsons, and 14 granddaughters who were all products of incest. As their children got older, they too partook in the killing and eating of their victims. The family, as they grew in numbers, found it easier to attack their victims. Multiple family members would ambush their unsuspecting victims, strip them of their belongings, and take them back to their cave and dismember their bodies and eat them. The Bean family did this by using a major road that ran along the western seaboard of the country that was highly traveled. It is now known today as A-77. The road runs from southwesterly Glasgow to the village of Port Patrick on the Irish Sea. By the early 16th century, Queen Elizabeth I had passed away and King James VI ascended to the throne. It was at this time that the townspeople from South Ayrshire took notice of the many disappearances of their fellow Scotsmen. However, it became even more sinister when the townspeople realized that not only men were disappearing, but women and children as well. The townspeople from South Ayrshire formed search parties to locate the missing individuals, who at this point numbered in the hundreds, but to no avail. One fateful evening, a man and his wife were traveling the western sea road by horse from Garvin, Scotland, when they were attacked by a mob that consisted of men, women, and children. The mob pulled the man's wife from her horse, slit her throat, and dismembered her body and ate her flesh in front of the husband. Shocked 
and tormented by what the husband just witnessed, he unconsciously accepted his fate and imminent death. However, a group of people saw the attack against the man and his wife and came to his rescue. The murderous mob ran off, leaving the wife and her dismembered body behind, and they scattered into the darkness. The group of individuals who rescued the man took him back to town where he recounted his gruesome event. The townspeople spared no time in gathering bloodhounds and more people to aid in the search for the murdering mob. They searched the sea road and surrounding cliffs and the woods, but with no luck. Fearing that the murderous mob was too big for them to handle, they decided to try and get word to King James VI to help aid in apprehending the savages. King James VI heard of the atrocities that had taken place on the western seaboard road and rallied 400 of his men and went to locate the murderous mob. Upon his arrival, the king and his men scoured through countryside with their bloodhounds at their side and hopes of picking up any scent to locate the people responsible for the attacks. Days went by and soon turned into weeks. However, just as they thought all hope was lost, the dogs picked up the scent and it was near Benane Head along the coast. As the dogs led the king and his men further and further through the sharp rocks and the cliffs, they found themselves standing at the entrance of a dark cave. When the king first entered the cave, he saw nothing. The king and his men decided to go further in with their torches as their only way of light, and as they went deeper and ventured further, they walked around every turn and every corner and eventually came across a family that was more terrifying than anything they had ever seen before. In disbelief, the king gazed upon the grisly scene of human remains and body parts hung throughout the cave like a slaughterhouse. There were arms, legs, feet, and hands strung up in every direction, and it was estimated that there were hundreds of deceased bodies. Just as the king thought the horror could not get any worse, he noticed barrels, hundreds of barrels all around the cave in all shapes and sizes. As he and his men inspected the barrels, they found something more disturbing than the bodies hung on the wall. The king and his men realized that the barrels were filled with pickled body parts and organs. As the king walked through and further investigated, he found gold and silver coins, clothes, jewelry, and thousands of other items that belonged to the victims. It was at this point the king ordered the men, women, and children of the family to be taken into custody and to await the king's justice. It is said that the family in the cave did not put up a fight. They were shackled and taken to the toll booth jail in Edinburgh, where they were immediately all executed for their heinous crimes. It is said that Alexander and the other men of the family were castrated and their male parts were burned. Then their hands and feet were cut off 
and they were left to bleed out. Prior to bleeding out, Alexander is quoted saying this as his last words. It isn't over. It will never be over. Agnes and the other women and the children in the family were all burned at the stake. Legend has it that prior to their capture, one of Alexander and Agnes's daughters escaped. She was able to go move to Garvin, Scotland, where as she was living there, she decided to plant a tree. She dubbed the tree the Hairy Tree to reference her family's capture. The townspeople soon discovered who the young girl was. They abducted the young girl, put a rope around her neck, and she hanged until she died in her own tree. It was after that that Alexander and Agnes and their family were forever known as the Sawney Bean Clan. The name Sawney is a nickname for a Scotsman, which is now obsolete. It is said that the Sawney Bean Clan killed over a thousand people and their terror lasted for 25 years. As you can see, the legend of the Sawney Bean Clan has striking similarities to the tale of the Boogeyman. In the centuries that followed the legend of the Bean family, it was actually used as a scare tactic to entice children to eat their vegetables. Alexander Bean was so hungry that he satisfied his hunger by eating people. Therefore, children should eat what is given to them or they could be eaten by Alexander himself. Not only is it questioned if the legend sparked the infamous boogeyman, but there are actual questions to how the story happened. There are several renditions of the story that circulate still throughout Scotland. For example, when King James found the Bean family and captured them, that is not the only ending. Although it is the most popular, another still holds till this day. The other story that is told states that King James and his men placed gunpowder in and around the entrance of the cave. They blew it up and entombed the family to die in the cave. Unfortunately, there is no evidence or records to prove this, so there is no way to conclusively say what the ending is or isn't, or what is true and not true. The first time the Sawney Bean Clan story was ever published was in the 1700s. In the Newgate calendar, the Malefactor's Bloody Register, which was a collection of criminal folklore that was extrapolated from real executions. If the legend took place in the late 15th and early 16th century, why is it that there was never any record of it prior to the 17th century publication? It was at this time that the legend gained momentum and had spread like wildfire throughout Scotland. The legend sparked so much interest that historians tried to piece together all the facts that they had. Unfortunately, none of the facts that they did come up with 
correlated to any historical event. The only piece of history that they were able to correlate to the incidents that took place in the 15th and 16th century involved political propaganda. It was stated that the legend of the Sawney Bean clan was a made-up story to portray Scottish people as barbarian savages during the time that Charles Edward Stuart, also known as the Young Pretender, led a rebellion to take back the throne. This historical account does include a king by the name of James, but it is James I. Could this be the same story, but in a different century? If that is the case, this still doesn't explain why the Newgate calendar published the legend in the early 1700s and the account of the historical incident with Charles Edward Stuart took place in 1745. Many continue to research the history on the Bean family and continue to find themselves in a labyrinth of confusion and uncertainty. There are some written accounts of the event. However, none are verified or considered to be true. From the 1700s to the present day, there have been many plays, movies, and books written on the Sawney Bean family. Two of the most famous movies are the 1974 film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper and the 1977 movie The Hills Have Eyes by Wes Craven. It is said that Wes Craven, while researching for a new horror film, came across the legend of the Sawney Bean clan. He found the story fascinating because of the direct parallels the killers and the townspeople had. Although the Sawney clan committed savagery against humans, the execution of the Sawney family itself was just as savage and gruesome. He could not resist making a movie partially based on the Sawney clan legend. Therefore, he came up with The Hills Have Eyes. Shortly after The Hills Have Eyes movie release, it spiked further interest into the legend of the Sawney Bean clan, and many more people tried to uncover the roots and the truth to the story as much as possible. Many visited the cave in which the Bean family is said to have lived, and historians tried to piece together the dates to corroborate the legend. According to the book Sawney Bean, Dissecting the Legend of the Scottish Cannibal by Blaine Pardot, a psychic by the name of Tom Robinson said that when he visited the cave in the 1980s, he saw ghosts there wandering around. He believed that the Bean family was entombed in the cave, and that is why their spirits still haunt the area. Tom also claimed that he had heard screams coming in and around the cave. The screams were that of a woman. In addition, when he was in the cave, he saw the outline of a person laying on the floor of the cave. The person was in the shape of a man. Almost a decade later, Tom returned to the cave to free the spirits that were trapped there. Many people believe that the cave that Tom visited was not the cave in where the Sawney Bean family had resided. However, others believe that it is the cave. As you can see, 
there have been many discrepancies to the legend of the Sani Bean clan. Were they real? Did they exist in the right century? Was it really King James VI who caught the family? In short, no one truly knows. There is no real evidence to either confirm nor deny this legend. However, many still believe that there is some truth to the story and others believe that the entire thing is made up. However, no matter what you believe or what you know or think to be true, one fact remains certain. The legend of the Sani Bean clan has survived far longer than their 25-year terror. The search for the truth regarding the Sani Bean clan will always remain a mystery. Therefore, I leave you with the final words said to be spoken by Alexander himself. It isn't over. It will never be over. <laughs>